Glory to God. How many of you brought your Bible? All right. Hold it up. Now, y'all have already been through this, but we're going to do it again. Now, don't just say this to be saying it. Pay attention to the words, okay? This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am what it says I am. And I can do with the help of God and with his power, I can do whatever it says I can do. Now, do you believe that? Now, do you really have the nerve to believe what you just said? All right, we're going to check it out tonight. We're going to put it to the test because we're going to look at some really good things. We are going to be, I'm going to be asking and we are going to let the word answer three questions. Who are you? Who's in you and who's on you? We're going to let the word do some describing and we're going to do some meditating on the answer to those three questions. But before we do that, we're going to we're going to lay a groundwork. Turn with me to John chapter 15. All right. Here we go. Y'all ready? Okay. John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that heareth, that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he pruneth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch, read it with me, cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abides in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Much fruit. For without me, 
you can do nothing. How much can you do without Jesus? Zero. No thing. All right. So we've got that, right? Without Jesus, you can do nothing. Go to Mark chapter 10. I'm glad you brought your Bibles because we are going to be looking at some scripture. You can, you, can, you can ask the guys from this morning. I enjoy laying a good foundation. I like laying such a solid foundation of the word that there's just no way you can even think about questioning it. Mark chapter 10 and verse 27. And Jesus, looking unto them, says, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. So how many things? Philippians chapter 4 tells us that we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. So here we've got our litmus test. Without Jesus, nothing. With God, with Jesus, everything. All right, we've got that settled, right? All right, so who I'm talking to for the rest of tonight are people who are with God. Okay? Born again, spirit-filled, Holy Ghost baptized believers, bless God. That's who I'm talking about. Now, if you don't happen to be one of those, I highly suggest that you go ahead and do that right now. It's simple. Take you 30 seconds, receive Jesus as Lord, and you're with God. And you just went from nothing to everything. Yeah. I'm done preach me happy. I ain't got halfway down my first page of notes yet. Glory to God. Okay, so we've established we are with God. So, first question. Who are you? Turn over to Genesis Chapter 1. You might as well start at the beginning if you're going to find out who you are, right? Let's see. Genesis chapter 1, and we will start with verse 26. And God said, let us make man. Okay, stop right there. Now, I know that most of you probably know this. But there may be somebody that doesn't. The King James Version, I don't know. The Elizabethan English and all that stuff, I don't know if it was their good manners or what, you know. But they tried to put all of this, you know, starting with the first verse. Um, And God said, let there be light. It's nice. It's polite. It's not what it was. If you do a little research, you do a little study, you go back the original languages What actually took place, and I know you've heard this before, but I like hearing it, so we're going to talk about it. God said, light be, and light was. 
That's what he did in every verse instead of let there be. Well, he didn't change when he made us. So he didn't say, hey, guys, I got an idea. Let's make a man. No. What that should read is man be in our image and in our likeness. Boy, that's some strong words. He goes on to release the blessing. And when he did that, it wasn't any manby-pamby thing either. Be fruitful. Multiply. Replenish the earth. Have dominion and subdue it. Man, I can't stand still. So, our first example of man. And who man is. He was made in the image and the likeness of God. He was crafted by God himself to be a part of the God class of beings in the earth. Now, I know I've heard somebody say, yeah, but that was before the fall. So. Let's go over to Psalms. And we're going to look at Psalm chapter 8. In Psalm chapter 8, in verse 4, what is man? That thou art mindful of him, and the son of man, that thou visitest him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. Now again, this is a fine, fine example of gutless translators. No nerve whatsoever. Go back and look at that word, and the... Hebrew word is El-Ohim. And it further states that it is only used to describe the supreme God. So, being as though we have some spiritual intestinal fortitude, we're going to read it the way it was actually written. For thou hast made him just a little lower than your very own self, God Almighty, and has crowned him with glory and honor. That's so far, we're being pretty consistent here, right? All right, God saying the same thing here that he said at the beginning. Well, let's follow this a little further. Go on over to Psalm 82. Now we're going to test, we're going to do a little testing on the, how much nerve you had when you said those words earlier. Psalm chapter 82 and verse 6. 
I have said, you are gods. Little g. Little g is a little lower than big G. He made man a little lower than the supreme G. But he still calls us gods. All right. Now, I know what you're saying. That's the Old Testament. Oh, go on over to St. John. We're tracking something here now. John chapter 10. Verse 34. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said, You are gods. So Jesus reinforced it in the New Testament. So we've got a really, really good start. And it's like I told the guys today, you know, it's one thing to read that in the Bible. I have said, ye are gods, blah, 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 yeah. It's another thing to stand up and say, I'm a God. Because our religious mind thinks, ooh, that's just really arrogant. <laughs> that's just really, I don't know about that. Well, you're just quoting the word. You're just quoting the word. Now, do you have the nerve to believe it? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. That's good. All right. Let's go ahead and, and uh, develop this a little further. Go to 1 Peter. I'm in the New Testament now. I'll go back over to this sword. First Peter chapter 1. And let's see, verse 23. Being born again. Now, we've already established we're, we're all born again, right? Well, that's right? Right? Okay. So it's talking about us. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which liveth and abideth Forever. We were born of the word of God. And remember, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. We have God's DNA. We were born of him, his incorruptible seed. Go one chapter or one book over to Second Peter. Second Peter, chapter one. Now, what I endeavored to do, you know, Second Corinthians thirteen says, "Let every word be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses." Okay, we're establishing witnesses. All right, Second Peter. Chapter 1, let's see, let's do verse 3. According 
to his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. There's all everything. That's all again. With God, all things. He's big on this all things stuff, isn't he? All things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. That word virtue also means excellence. He's called us to excellence. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. That's your nature. It's divine. So we were created in the image of God. He called us gods. Old Testament, New Testament. Little lower than the angels. Born of incorruptible seed. Our nature is God's nature. But let's go just a little further. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings in the earth, Unto him that loved us and washed us, oh, glory to God, from our sins, by his, in his own blood, and has already, has, is, has already, has already made us kings and priests unto God. Kings and priests. First Timothy 6 says he's king of kings. And he's Lord of lords. He's big K king over little K kings. And he's big L Lord over little L Lords. But we're Lords. We're Lords. We are in the God class. So turn over to Philippians chapter 2. You've heard the expression... Just who do you think you are? Well, sir, if if you want to be biblical about it, Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form 
That kind of sounds like likeness and image. Of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And he had to tell us, let this mind be in you, because otherwise we ain't letting that mind be in us. Are you kidding me? What's you talking about? <laughs> no way. But if you're going to obey the word and you're going to have the nerve to believe you are who it says you are. There you go. You don't have any choice. You're done committed. You're stuck with it. Now, at this point, I do want to go ahead and say this. I said it in the class this morning. I'm going to say it to everybody. Most of us have grown up not thinking very highly of ourselves. For one reason or another, maybe no fault to our parents. Maybe it is fault to our parents. It's, you know, whatever. Most of us just haven't thought. I mean, yeah, okay, we may act all bravado and cocky and, you know, and all of that stuff. But if it really, I mean, you're down, you're in the middle of the dark by yourself and you're sitting there just thinking, what you think of yourself is typically not very high. So in order to meditate and get to the place where you really believe this, you have to focus on it a lot. And you have to think it and talk it and talk it and think it and think it and talk it and talk it and think it. And you have to be a little cautious not scared, but aware. Because Satan likes to twist things. And you start talking it and thinking it and thinking it and talking it and talking it and thinking it. He's going to try to get an opportunity to go in there. And the next thing you know, you're thinking it and talking it and talking it and thinking it about your own self and your own power. And what you don't want to do is that. <laughs> because without Jesus, we can do nothing. But I'm not without Jesus. Amen. The other thing is we were given dominion and authority and power and told to subdue the earth, we are without a doubt to lord over anything that Satan's got. But what does 1 John 4 tell us? God is... Love. God is love. So when any of the works of Satan sees us, then the side of us that they need to see is a king, the forces of Satan, a king, a lord. And as someone who has absolutely, totally dominated them. When another person sees us, 
they see the side of us that it is love. Because if we are a God, God is love. He doesn't have love. He is love. And so when other people see us, we were never given dominion over other people. You see what I'm saying? We got it. You've got to make that. You've got to make that distinction and you've got to keep it clear because it's real easy as much as you have to meditate to get yourself really believing who you are. You don't want to let that slip. And I know you won't. So we got a pretty good grasp now on who we are, right? Okay. so second question, who is in you? Now, the, the real simple, quick, three-second answer to that is, well, Jesus is in me. God's in me. Everybody knows that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, let's go through it. Because out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. 1 John 4.4. 4. Now, this is a faith camp scripture. If you have been in the faith camp over a couple days... You have heard this scripture. All I have to do is just say the first part of it, probably. For greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Okay, well, that's who's in you. Ephesians 3.19. Oh, I got to go to the electrified sword for this one. Because I like what the Amplified has got to say about this. Ephesians 3. Where'd you go? There you are. 319. Amplified version. That you. Say that's me. May really come to know. Practically and through experience for yourselves, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God, you may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Now, so far, we're looking pretty good, pretty good for who's inside of. We got pretty good things going on here. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And 16. And again, I'm going to stick with my amplified, electrified sword here. What agreement can there be between a temple of God... And idols. 
For, because, we, that's us, are the temple of the living God. Even as God said, I will dwell in them and with and among them and will walk in and with and among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. So he is in us and he said, I will be in them and among them and walk with them. Glory. And then 1 Corinthians 6 also says, you are the temple, 619, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost who is in you. So, we know who we are. We know who's in us. At least we have a good concept of who's in us. We're going to develop that here in a little bit. Now, let's talk about who is on you. Go to Matthew chapter 3. Now, I'm working on something. We're going to a specific destination here, so you just hang with me. Because we're going to handle some business here at the end. Matthew chapter 3. And. Verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water. This is. Um, Uh, John the Baptist talking. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me. Everybody knows who that is. Jesus. Is mightier than I. Whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and Fire. Okay? So the Holy Ghost and fire. That's one witness. Now, go on over to Luke chapter 24. Oh, Father, I'm thank you for being in me. And I thank you for making us who we are in you. Luke chapter 24 and verse 49. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with Power from on high. So now we got the Holy Ghost, fire, power. And you notice he said, don't leave home without it. 
Stay in Jerusalem till you get this. You don't want to be leaving home without this power. You don't want to be trying to live life without the power of the Holy Ghost. I mean, there's people out there that do it, but man, I do not want to be one of them. On over a couple books to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We're building a pretty good kit. Well, we're not doing it. The Word is building one really good case in our behalf. All right. Acts chapter 1 and verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Baptized with the Holy Ghost. One chapter over, chapter two. Now we're getting good stuff here. Chapter two. Verse 3, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as of fire. That sounds familiar. And sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Now he's on them and in them and in them and on them. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Glory to God. So now, we have the basics laid. We got the foundation. We know basically who we are. Who we are in Christ. Because we're all with Jesus. So there is not, we're not going to be discussing that can do nothing part. Okay? So we know who we are in Him, who He's made us, who He created us and destined us to be. Then he comes along and takes up his abode in us. Because making us in his image just didn't get it. So he moved in. Then not only did he move in and fill us, but let's just go ahead and baptize with himself so that they're in, they're filled up, and they're completely saturated with God himself. My Lord, no wonder the angel said, what is man that you think this way about him? It staggered their thinking. What is man? Well, I'll draw your attention to the book of Hebrews, and we're going to zero in on one particular aspect for tonight. I got so excited, I forgot where Hebrews was. I did that this morning, didn't I? I think it was even Hebrews. Must be a Hebrews thing. Hebrews chapter 3. 
and verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, that'd be us, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Consider him. That's interesting. Consider Jesus. Well, over in Hebrews chapter 12, just a few chapters to the right, we're told, Wherefore, seeing we are also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so, the evil, so yeah, doth so easily, yeah, that's easy for you to say, easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him. So now we're told to consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus. We're told to look to Jesus and then we're told again to consider Jesus. So it sounds to me like we better do a little meditating on Jesus. I mean, you know, if that's who's in us and we're made after his image and he's on us, it would make sense that we need to know what he's like, don't you think? Well, we're going to do a little bit of that. Consider, by the way, does mean exactly what you think it means. Think about it. Contemplate. Meditate on it. So let me ask you a question. Now, you got to be honest with me. When you, if you close your eyes and I ask you to picture, think about, and get a picture in your mind of Jesus inside of you, what do you see? I mean, an actual picture. Most people that have responded to that question either say, I I really don't know, or they picture the little Sunday school Pictures of Jesus when he's, you know, footprints in the sand and he's walking in his robes on the Sea of Galilee. Okay. Most of the time it's one of those two answers. More, well, I don't really know than the other. But, you know, usually it's one of those two. I got a little excited a little while ago. Is it still hanging in there? Okay. All right. But, What's the word have to say with it? I don't want a picture in my head that I came up with. If I'm going to be considering Jesus, I want to know what I should be considering. So let's go over to Revelation chapter 1. Now this is the part where I may have to hold on to the podium. Because I sure like to get excited about this. 
Revelation, chapter 1. And where do we want to start? 13. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. Now we're starting to develop a little better image here. This is the Jesus that we're talking about. This is after the cross, after the burial, after the resurrection, and is the one that moved in to you. So let's take this a little farther and go over to Ezekiel. Because the prophet Ezekiel got a good look. We're going to Ezekiel chapter 1. Verse 26. And above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne and the appearance of a sapphire stone and upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above upon it and I saw as the color of amber that sounds familiar as the appearance of fire round about within it From the appearance of his loins, even upward, and from the appearance of his loins, even downward, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire, and it had brightness round about. Jesus, our Jesus, our Lord, a Fire from the loins up and a fire from the loins down. Oh, it gets better. It gets even better. Go over a couple books to Habakkuk. Fire. Ooh, I got that all marked up. (laughs) Habakkuk. Chapter 3 and verse 4. And his brightness was as the light. He had horns. The, The literal word is like shafts coming out of his hand. And therein was the hiding place of his power. If you look into that. He had lightning 
like shafts of splendor shooting from his hands, wherein is the hiding place of his power. We're baptized with fire and the Holy Ghost and power. This is who lives in us. What are we doing? We're considering. We're meditating. We're talking. This, this is our Jesus. Fire, lightning, power. Hebrews chapter 12 says he is a consuming fire. That word consuming means to utterly destroy. Will utterly destroy what? Isaiah chapter 33. Isaiah chapter 33. Well, I don't know if it's doing anything for you, but I am just... I guess you could say I'm burning on the inside. <laughs> I guess so, since it's a fire in there, you got a, 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 a right to burn on the inside. All right, Isaiah 33, 14. The sinners in Zion, okay, so now we're talking about the sinners. The sinners in Zion are afraid, fearfulness, fearfulness. Glory to God. Fearfulness. Surprise, surprise, the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burning? He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly. So now we know what does the consuming fire utterly destroy? Anything that is not righteous. If it's not right, it better get out of the way. Now, you notice, based on 2 Corinthians 5.21, that that has no bearing on us. Because we have been made righteous. We can dwell with the consuming fire. And do, because he lives in us. But, sickness and disease ain't right. Torment ain't right. Oppression ain't right. Now, let's go back to Habakkuk, where we just were. Now, we read verse 4. Lightning like shafts of splendor. Wherein is the hiding place of his power? Verse 5. Before him, 
went the pestilence and burning coals. That word coals, the cross references burning diseases went forth at his feet. Now, I like actually the Amplified's definition of pestilence in Luke 21. Any malignant, contagious, or infectious disease that is deadly or devastating. That's pestilence. And verse 5 tells us, Before him went the pestilence, and burning coals went forth at his feet. Now those words went and went forth mean to try to escape and get away from. Well, I guess so, an all-consuming, devouring, utterly destroying fire. And this is the picture that the Lord gave me of this. Now, I know, at least I hope, that every one of you have seen documentaries or even possibly news footage of a raging inferno of a forest fire. And in front of that fire are all of the forest animals and wildlife running literally for their lives because if they don't get out of the way, they will be utterly destroyed by the fire. And that is the picture of what pestilence and infectious diseases and burning diseases, inflammation, infection does before our Jesus. Dear Lord, no wonder it says in the Gospels when Jesus laid hands on them that the sickness departed. Yeah, it departed. It's going to be turned into a greasy spot if it doesn't get out of there. And that happened too. I guess some of them's not quite as smart as others. I'm not sure how that works, but so if anybody has any type of infectious inflammation, disease, sickness, anything that's not right in here tonight. It better start trembling because it's in serious danger. Because you are a Lord. You are a king and a priest. You have God inside you, living in you, walking in you. You have God on you. You have a devouring fire inside you, on you, saturating you. How dare sickness or disease even think it could try to stay in or even attack the temple of a devouring fire? It 
can not be. It cannot be. And we're going to wrap up tonight by you. We've done some meditating. Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift, rekindle that ember, fan the flame back into a burning fire. Stir it up. We've been doing some stirring and fanning tonight. And if there is anybody here with anything that's not right, there's sickness, there's disease present. If, if, if you're ready for it to go and you've got the fire burning inside of you, you come down here and I'm going to add some fire because here's another aspect of this. And this is what you need to take all throughout this country. He's in you. He walks in you. His hands are in your hands. The lightning-like shafts of splendor, wherein is the hiding place of his power, are in your hands. When you walk up to somebody that sickness and disease dares still be in their body in your presence, you need to know that when you lay hands on that person, you have every right to believe that lightning-like shafts of glory are going to come out of his hands through your hands. And that sickness and disease is either going to have to flee like a scared little animal and depart, or it's just going to be annihilated. There's not another way about it. So if there is anybody that has anything that you want hands laid on you for, come down here and we're going to do some burning. In the name of I receive this pain. I, I, man, I, I'm in Jesus. I'm in, I'm in agreement. Thank you, Jesus. Fire. Thank you, Jesus. Make God. right. I'm in, I'm in agreement. Jesus', Jesus. I'm name. In the name. In the name. Fire. Make it in. Yeah.